0: and fulfillment let's get started with soul talk
1: welcome back folks welcome back to another uh, special episode of the soul talk podcast just to let you know i love receiving your uh, messages on social media facebook instagram i love receiving your emails just letting me know how you've been enjoying the soul talk conversations with of my amazing guests around the world and also sharing some of my ideas thoughts and inspirations with you it really lights up my heart to know that you're putting into practice in your lives some of the principles from soul talk today folks you know i mean every week i say i'm very excited about my guests but today i am really thrilled about my guest i read uh this amazing woman's book many years ago uh and it really it made me think this her book was a revolution in the area of you could say finance even though it was more than finance money prosperity abundance it really started giving me a new relationship to money and i think her insights her wisdom it really will deeply inspire you today so i hope you're ready to take lots of notes and uh, that you have an open heart to whatever she has to share we're going to have a free-flowing conversation she's a best-selling author master coach psychologist she's a pioneer in the field of human development, coach training. She wrote two highly acclaimed books. The book I was telling you about, which I think, look, if you haven't heard of this book or read this book, folks, right now, actually, once we're done with the conversation, go grab this book. It's, it will, I think, change your life in many ways. It's called The Energy of Money, a uh, life-changing book. She also wrote a book called Mastering Life's Energies. I am just humbled, honored, excited, thrilled to welcome to Soul Talk Maria Nemeth. Maria, welcome to the conversation. Oh,
2: thank you so much. I'm uh, I'm just thrilled to be here with you too. I'm uh, uh, it, it 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 really is wonderful for me to be with thought leaders who are willing to uh, share knowledge and wisdom with people. And Cooch, I know this is this is who you are and this is what you do. So when I heard that you had wanted to interview me um, for a podcast, I was just Thrilled as well. So, you know, oh, I, you I think this on. is a meeting made
1: in heaven. <laughs> yes, I feel it. <laughs> I feel it. So, listen, I, I read your book many years ago and it uh, was, was powerful. I mean, I have some questions about your book and the themes in that. But, I, you know, I think there's, there's maybe a few people that are beginning this conversation. Maybe they haven't read the book, they haven't heard of your work. So, just to set a bit of a context, uh, I would love for you to take a moment and, and just kind of share with, with those listening in. How, 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 what started your journey in this field to even be able to write the book? What started your journey in the field as a? I know you're a psychologist as well, and and how how did that journey begin? I'm sure it wasn't all smooth sailing or easy. Just
2: yes, I tell you, my 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 path was a very. Um, well, you know how it is. I think for many of us, we get a wake up call, you know. And a number mm-hmm. of years ago, this is oh, I I have to tell you, it was around. Uh, almost 40 years ago now, Coot. even as I'm mm. talking to you about it, I'm kind of marveling at how long ago it was. Um, I made a big mistake with money. And uh, that mm. was a time when there was something called a Ponzi scheme uh, going around uh. in Sacramento. And many of you uh, have heard of Bernie Madoff and other people who mm. who create mm. these schemes to have people invest. And uh, once they do, you find out that uh, it's fraudulent. And that's what happened to me. I I gave someone $35,000 on unsecured promissory notes. And um, Mm. that means it wasn't worth anything. I just, I gave Mm. him the money because he said I could earn 32% on my investment, you know, and Mm. it wasn't even my own Mm. money coot.
0: Mm. Borrowed it, and that
2: was a lot of money. Oh yes, oh yes. Mm. I mean, it's a lot of money today, and you can imagine mm. back then it was a lot, a lot of money. And I, yes. I, I borrowed the, I borrowed the money from, uh, from an in-law at ten and a half percent interest because the man said I would earn thirty-two percent, and you know it was fraudulent. And a couple of weeks before I was to do this. I was talking with my friends and colleagues and relatives, Coot, and, you know, I, I asked them, what do you think about this deal? And, of course, what do you suppose they said? You know, they said, don't do it. And I didn't do it. I didn't listen, rather. I didn't listen. I did, decided to do it anyway. And I asked people, you know, do you have in your life times in which people have told you not to do something and you did it anyway? And what was the result? And, um, you know, even as I was signing this check for $35,000, there was this little voice of wisdom inside of me saying, Maria, don't, don't do this. And I decided just Mm to override that voice and I did it anyway. So I lost the money and, um, just was mortified and decided Mm -hmm. to try to earn all that money back. At the time I was uh, doing psychotherapy with people and, I tried to earn the money back and and I avoided my friends because I was so ashamed. Mm. But, you know, when you try to avoid friends, when you try to avoid your life's lessons, because there was a lesson in there for me, the lesson follows you. And that's Mm. what happened with me because I got a call Mm. about two and a half months into this time when I was avoiding my friends. I was ashamed and. And uh, I got a a call from uh, the the Sacramento Bee, which is the newspaper here. And this reporter, reporter Melva Arditti, she said to me, Mm. "Uh, Dr. Nemeth, we've been given your name by UC Davis School of Medicine, because at that time I was supervising uh, psychiatric interns. She said, you know, you have a very good reputation here as a therapist. I need to ask you a question. And, of course... Uh, I didn't see that my lesson was kind of sniffing at me around the corner. And I said, of course, I'm happy to answer any of your questions. She said, um, a number of people here in Sacramento have been taken mm. by this Ponzi scheme and they've lost lots of money, Dr. Nemitz. And she said,
3: mm. could
2: you please tell me for this article that I'm writing, what is oh, wrong my with those people?
3: Oh, What's my wrong goodness. with them? <laughs>
2: Is there wow. a diagnosis yeah. that you would offer? And if you would, wow. what is that diagnosis? And and of course it was me. And um at that point it was like the dam broke because I started I started telling her all the stuff that had happened, you know. I mm. I kind of <laughs> saw the words leaving my mouth and going into the receiver of the phone and and at one point she said, you know, are you sure you want me to tell me your story because I'm, I'm going to print it all? And I decided at that point, Coot, that I would mm-hmm. I would uh, face my lesson. And, and I told her, look,
3: mm-hmm.
2: I'm going to tell you my story. Please print it because I I hope other people can learn from my mistakes. And so she mm-hmm. printed it. And I had friends, colleagues, and relatives calling me on the phone. But instead of asking me, why did you do it? they started talking with me about their relationship with money. And I saw that it it didn't matter how much or how little money people had. There was always this sense of disempowerment. You know, I Mm -hmm. I, obviously Mm -hmm. with people who didn't have money, but I remember talking to a woman who was a millionaire and she said, you know, every time one of my daughters calls me, I don't think it's because she really loves me. I think it's because she just wants more money. And so I saw that, you know, there was this wholesale disempowerment and I decided to lead a course so that I would wake up. And I invited 22 friends and um, we started asking ourselves difficult, dangerous questions. And um, we started having breakthroughs and that was the beginning. And so for the past 35 years, you know, I wrote a book. I got on the Oprah show. Uh, mm-hmm. But it it it, involved, it evolved into a way of coaching people, and then I wrote yeah. Mastering Life's Energies, and and now uh, mm-hmm. I have a, a coach training organization where we train mm-hmm. coaches to use the methodologies <laughs> that I've developed over the past 35 years. And so mm-hmm. it's not an overnight success, I can tell you.
1: Yes. But it yes.
2: begins with this uh, uh, this terrible wake up call.
1: Mm. I'm curious. You mentioned a few times, Maria, the, the, the facing your lesson. I heard you say that, I think, three or four, facing my lesson, facing the lesson. Uh, what was, like, if you were to distill the main lesson or lessons from that experience for those listening in, what was your, your lesson that you learned in that challenging wake-up call?
2: Um, if it sounds too good to be true, it is. Mm. If you're going to ask for people's support and all of them seem to be saying the same thing, you might as well listen to them because you did ask for their support Mm. to begin with. And Mm. third, it's always better to face your lessons sooner rather than later because, you know, that wasn't the only time I had made mistakes regarding money. It's just uh, that... That was the price tag on my wake-up call. And so the final lesson is don't have the price tags be so high on your wake-up calls in life. If if you have something <laughs> that's been niggling in the background for you to wake up to and pay attention, you may as well do it sooner rather than later.
1: Mm-hmm. Powerful lessons. Um He talked about the sense of disempowerment, which I think is true, like, whether someone's in quotation marks has a lot of money, they're rich, they're poor. You talked about the millionaire who still feels a sense of disempowerment because when the kids call, is it just for the money? Is there a, you know, is is there a first step that someone can take towards uh, beginning to shift that? I guess sense of disempowerment, you know, that relationship with money that feels. Uh, contracted, not free, just disconnected. What, what's what's the first step someone can take?
2: Well, um, I I think echoing back to the what we've just been talking about, it may be this that uh, I have by now um, been in front of over a hundred thousand people. You know, in big and mm. small seminars, big, small communities all over the world. And I have seen this wholesale sense of worry, doubt, and fear when it comes to the energy of money. And, you know, if we were considering that money is simply energy, and um, it's, you know, the definition of energy is the ability to get work done in physical reality. Um if I one of the questions <laughs> if I mm. were to be leaking this precious energy mm. uh where am I doing it and I'll I'll tell you about mm. leaking okay um mm. leaking energy comes with spending it unconsciously so mm. you go to the shopping mall with uh you know your your credit card and, and, uh, you, you promise to spend no more than let's say, uh, in America, $50, uh, in the, in yes. the UK, it might be 45 pounds. And uh, by the end of three hours, you have spent $200 <laughs> and, and you go home and you open up your sacks and you say to yourself, do, I mean, they, they looked great in the store, these things, but do right. I really want them? Do I really need them? Uh, Are the things that I'm spending this energy upon bringing me happiness or value in any way? And if you cannot answer that question honestly in terms of yes or no, I mean, you've got to look. Um, Mm -hmm. Then you'll go on leaking. But if you can be honest with yourself you know, is this really leaking money or spending it consciously on something I really love? You begin to wake up to
3: mm.
2: where this leakage is. And you you know as well as I, if you have a leaky faucet dripping a few drops uh, every uh, minute or so, after a while, it can fill up the the whole uh, tub or the whole sink
3: yes. because yes.
2: this stuff adds up. So
3: Mm -hmm. There was
2: one woman who saw that she was spending $7 a day on cappuccino and croissants uh, Mm. during her work week, $35 a month, okay, a a week, rather, is $140 a month. Mm -hmm. And Mm. she saw she was eating and drinking her vacation away, (laughs) uh, you know, and, and she decided... To Instead of spending all that money, she decided to uh, buy treats for herself only two days of the week. And the rest uh-huh. of the time, she put the equivalent amount of this energy of money. And I'm really, you know, mm. emphasizing energy. She put it in a vacation savings account. The end of a year, mm. I get this wonderful postcard uh, from a Club Med where she's having her first vacation fully paid for in her life.
1: Mm, amazing. So she was able to so, become more aware of what she was doing yep. and start harnessing yep. this power of money. So why, why, like, you know, you're a psychologist. You've been working with people for 40 years plus now. Yeah. What, yep. in your perception, Maria, what, what what is it that is driving us unconsciously to, to, to spend money, to leak money to, I mean, because none of us I think wake up and say, Oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to blow money. I'm going to leak money this month, you know, but, <laughs> but, but we do. And, and so yeah. what is that? is Is it, is it, is it self-worth? Is it, is it self-hatred? Like what do you, in your perception, why do we do that? What's well, going on? Well, you know, on? I'll tell you,
2: it's, it's not self-worth. It's not self-hatred. It's, it's so, uh, Let me say it this way. It's so unsexy. You know what I mean? Mm. There are no uh, really hidden uh, meanings to it all. Uh, We are Mm. being given uh, many more opportunities to spend money now than we were 35 years ago. I mean, if you just Mm. go, I mean, try this experiment. Go uh, to the store and stand in front of the display for mustard. Now, when you, mm. when you see it, you'll see maybe 35 different kinds of mustards.
3: Right. Now,
2: 35 years ago, we had <laughs> maybe three or four kinds of mustard. You know, nothing from Java, nothing from New Guinea, nothing from, I mean, mm. really. And there are so many different ways to spend money that we mm. become attracted. It's like, um, it's like the, the, uh, the bling effect.
3: Mm,
2: and um, mm. uh, something very interesting that I, I would love to impart to the people who are listening right now, and this mm. has to do with how the brain works. Okay, if you see something that is really attractive to you in a store, okay, and mm. you just really feel like you have to have it,
3: right. go
2: away, go away from it for twenty minutes. Uh huh. 20, now, 20 minutes is very interesting. It is the mm-hmm. amount of time it takes for dopamine, which is a neurotransmitter, to circulate and be uh, uh, used up by your brain, because when you see something you like, this little squirt of dopamine comes in your brain, and you have to have mm-hmm. the thing that is causing this little dopamine squirt, but it's... If you allow your brain to kind of uh, digest this Mm. dopamine, you come back 20 minutes later, one of two things will happen, Coot. You'll either see Mm. that you want the thing, you know, you really do, or you Mm. will say to yourself, you know what, thank heavens I didn't buy it. Because (laughs) I would have taken it home and, you know, two days later I would have, wanted to take it back to the store or if it right, wasn't returnable right. I would you know what I'm saying so yes. uh, the 20 minutes 20 minutes 20 minutes and mm. you see um, uh, advertisers and marketers know this that's why there's all these little tchotchkes that you can mm. uh, buy when you're when you're going to a uh, department store or a market and you're standing in line And they have all these little things that you can buy, Mm. you know, magazines, pieces of candy. In the aisle,
1: right. Yes, in the aisle. In that
2: aisle. And you're you're in that aisle maybe for four or five minutes, during which time (laughs) your brain is being bathed in dopamine. And very often you'll find yourself buying something, magazine, extra candy, whatever it is, Mm. that you thought you had to have at the moment. You take it home. And by then the dopamine has worn off, and it's no longer as attractive.
1: Wow! So go away for twenty minutes.
3: Mm-hmm. Just
1: breathe, have some space, mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: get present, and then mm-hmm. check in to see do, do I do I really want this thing? Do, is, is it authentic? Yeah. And what if you say, "Well, I really do want this thing," then then well, you then say, buy it. It's okay, so it. Then buy it. Okay, got it. Then then it's more clear. Then buy it. Versus unconscious. Yeah, I mean,
2: exactly. Go back and uh, visit the thing, whatever it is. It might be, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't know. It might be a new phone. It might be a new, whatever. Go back Mm -hmm. and visit. And after 20 minutes, do I really, really want this? Is it going to Mm -hmm. bring me joy? Is it going to add value to my Mm -hmm. life? Just asking simple mm. questions, you see, it's, they're, they're they're so simple. If you and I were to spend time trying to analyze, you know, is it because of my childhood this happened or this happened, mm-hmm. that has no bearing upon my behavior today.
1: Well, it won't make any yeah, said, difference so that-
2: whatsoever.
1: A key question was, is will this, will this add value to genuine value to my life? I think even if we ask that question, which seems so simple, there's many things that if we were to ask ourselves, does this add value to my life? The answer is no. And, and, mm-hmm. and so I think that question is key. Does this thing mm-hmm. that I'm reaching out compulsively to buy unconsciously add value to my life? That, that's a really cool question. Um, Thank you. And you know, I'm curious, uh, Maria. Um, we're talking about abundance money, the relationship to money. Um, you know, I've had the opportunity, to, much like yourself, to work with, with some folks who have a lot of money, some very successful people, some billionaires, some millionaires, and also some who don't have a lot of financial resources. But what, yes. what I found yes. is it doesn't matter because this. I guess what I want to ask is this whole thing around uh, scarcity, because I've seen people who have billions or millions in this, they still live in scarcity, you know, and I've I've seen people that have nothing and they still live in scarcity. And so how can, I guess, how can we move through beyond uh, a scarcity lack consciousness um, into a more, uh, I don't know, abundant feeling regardless of what we have or don't have. Does that make sense? How can how can how can we cultivate that? Oh, absolutely.
2: That? It, yeah, it does. It does, and it it speaks to a uh, a phenomenon that uh, when I when I coach people, we mm-hmm. uh, spend time uh, looking at. It's called the negativity bias. The the mm-hmm. negativity bias. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to get really lectury about this, so I'm just going to bottom line it. Um, It turns out that our brain is over 100,000 years old. Mm
3: -hmm. It has
2: not changed since prehistoric times. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Now, one of the things that uh, has happened, uh, I mean, listen, if if you and I were living 100,000 years ago and we were in Mm -hmm. a cave together cooped, and we decided we want to go out and get some dinner. Yes, we're hungry.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. We uh we leave the cave to look for food. Now this is 100,000 years ago. What's the first thing our brain is going to look for?
1: Mm, I would say probably danger. When I mean, you yes. think that might be dangerous, like like you, you got know, it. Animals, tigers, got you know, animals, tigers, you know. Right. Right.
2: That's it. The precursor to scarcity, danger. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't find, you know, if, if we're not clear about whether or not there's danger, we might become someone else's meal before we can have our own.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so the important thing here <laughs> is to see that our brain is has been Naturally created to look for danger, to uh, look for uh, and see where there is scarcity, where things are not working, because it was a way for us to be protected. Because we we don't have fangs or fur, and we can't run very far, but we do have this brain that could check out a situation and first look at what is not right about that situation. Now, mm-hmm. fast forward. In, for us, so we still have that same brain.
3: Right, when right. You,
2: Yeah, And when you see that the brain is naturally created to look for uh, scarcity, to look for danger, you see that it's, it's a very, very natural creation of the brain. Now, the reason I'm saying that is because when we uh, have these experiences of scarcity, coup, sometimes we think that there's something wrong with us mm. or else we wouldn't have this. But it's the sign of a perfectly functioning brain. Mm. The question becomes, the question becomes, uh, now that I see it, what can I do about it? And it all has to do with where I want to focus my brain.
3: Mm. So
2: the next thing we know about the brain is wherever I focus my brain, my brain is automatically going to give me evidence for why focusing on that is correct. Uh, a a, a mm. Kind of a, an interesting way of seeing this is, let's say, you go to a to a car dealership and you buy a blue Volvo and you drive it off the line, right. all of a sudden right. you see all these blue Volvos, right?
1: Ev- everywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: And you have to ask yourself, did they just appear? <laughs>
3: mm. Or
2: were they there all the time? They were there all the time, but your brain wasn't looking for them.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Got it. if you're listening to this, folks, Ask yourself, what do I
2: want my brain to look for? Mm. Do I want my brain to look for the natural scarcity that it always does look for? That's part of the negativity bias. Or am I more interested in looking for possibility?
1: Mm. Mm. Got it.
2: Now, the best way to start looking for possibility... So I'm going to give you a little bit of, you know, as coaches, you and I, we like to give
4: people things to do, right?
1: Absolutely. So what is is the the best way?
4: The best way is to
2: interrupt your brain's thoughts of scarcity by finding two things right now in your immediate environment that you're grateful for in your immediate environment. So, for example, right now, I am so grateful to be talking to you, Coot. Mm. I really am. And I Mm. have a fountain in my garden and I'm hearing it gurgle in the background. Mm.
4: And I'm so grateful for that. Mm. And at the moment, I see these two things my brain calms down. Mm. Have you noticed?
1: Yeah, the energy shifted. Yeah, it shifted. I felt it.
2: Yep. Mm -hmm. And in that shifting of energy, one of the things that's happening is your amygdala, that's the brain, a part of the brain that's concerned with fight, flight, freeze, That's always worrying and it's calmed down so that your prefrontal lobes of your brain can begin to think.
1: Got it. So the key is finding two things in your immediate environment. The key word I heard was, I mean, I heard immediate environment. Yes. Immediate Immediate surroundings. So look around folks, folks, look around wherever you are right now. Right now. In this reality. Okay got it the immediate environment mm.
2: then then the next thing to do is <clears throat> answer this question what is one thing that is working in my life what is one thing that is working mm. in my life
1: key question folks what is one mm-hmm. thing that is working you know, i was thinking cause i was i was going to ask you and and I think you've you've kind of trumped this question, but maybe you have something to say about it. I was I was gonna say, Well Maria, what if someone says, you know, hey Maria, I'm I'm in a situation, I'm, I I'm I've been evicted, I'm broke, I have no money, I'm living you know, I'm living on the couch of of my friend's friend in the middle of nowhere, I'm all, I'm homeless, or you know, I don't have anything to be grateful for, but the way you ask the question I mean, it would seem that, okay, those circumstances may not be perfect, but if we're really going to focus and take responsibility, I think, I mean, unless it's a really extreme situation, I think we we can all find at least one thing. Would you agree? At least one thing, even if it's the fact we're alive or the fact we're breathing or the fact that, you know, we can hear, yes, I mean, we all have one thing. Well, you know,
2: and it's it's so interesting too, Kut. About uh thirty years ago I was listening to an interview uh on one of our television stations and it was something called the Today Show. And the interviewer was talking with a woman who was uh almost homeless. She lived in this uh shack that was just put together with canvas and um uh uh, cardboard and he was asking her uh, she was talking well first of all she was talking uh, to him about what she's grateful for all the things mm. that she has the things that she loves the sunrises the sunsets uh mm. grateful that God is protecting her that i mean she she it was amazing wow. what she wow. was talking about. And I was saying to myself, this woman is
4: seeing a different reality than many of us are seeing. Mm
3: -hmm.
4: Now, Mm.
2: it, it, it in her case, in her case, she wasn't interested in getting out of anything because she was so happy with where she was. But that was for mm. that was for her that was for her reality yes. the question becomes if there is something that you uh
4: are that don't uh like if there's a condition mm. you're living in um, finding what is working
3: mm-hmm.
2: starts giving you starts starts putting you on a different tack Mm. because when you start seeing what's
4: working in an interesting way you can then ask your brain what is the next small sweet step that I could take a small action that would work to change what I want to change here. Mm.
3: Mm.
2: What's one small, sweet, because you see your brain really has a wellspring of wisdom. Yes, And always it's been, the question has always been, how do you contact this wellspring of wisdom? And there are many, Mm. many, many ways of doing it. But I'm just giving you Mm. some, uh, shorthand some really kind of quick ways to do it this comes after working with people uh, for as long as I have so what's working I love right it. now and really looking at it appreciating it what's one small sweet step I could take toward uh, moving forward
1: so, what's working right, right. now? And I, and I, I actually I really folks, I hope you're listening because I really like the way you, you, you said that, and I probably I'm going to assume you, you said that word for a reason. The key word I heard there was what's, it wasn't just like, "What's one step." I heard like, "What's one small, sweet step." And, and for me, well, when I heard "sweet," Maria," it just it did something to my brain. You know, when you said yep. when you said sweet step, it wasn't like, what's one big step? It's just, what's one sweet step? And it just, I don't know, it just softened the relationship with taking action. And so, there you go. Folks, I hope you're listening. What's one sweet key, folks? Underline what she said, sweet step you can take. Yes. I think that's beautiful. Small, that's very compelling. Small, sweet step. Small, small sweet, sweet step. step. Sir. Small, sweet step. I love sweet it. Step. So, when Maria, when you were in, you know, because I'm sure there's folks listening in that are going through or experiencing things in their lives that they would rather not be experiencing. Or, you know, they're going yeah. through challenging times, tough times, yeah. dark nights yes. of the soul, you know, yeah. going through wake up call moments, relationships, money, yeah. um, children. What, what I guess what, what kept you going Um when you maybe when you felt like giving up, or or when it was like in your darkest moment, when you when you were high, what what kept you going? What what made you not give up? And is there any advice or insight you can share with those that are thinking about? You know, they have a vision or a dream, but they're in such difficult situation and they're thinking of giving up.
2: Yeah, um, I I'll give you a couple of things, okay. Um, yes. One one thing that has kept me from giving up is um, that I have friends mm.
3: who
4: I uh, trust to support me, and by support I mean um,
2: they will ask me questions that I need to ask myself, Mm. but um, uh, am currently not asking. For example, one Mm. one of my my favorite questions that I've been asking people for years, and I ask my friends to say the same thing to me, is would it be okay with you if life got easier?
1: Oh, that's a good one. Would it be okay with you if life got got easier? No, it wouldn't, Maria. <laughs> yeah, <try> exactly.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a good question. Would it be you know? okay if life got easier? Mm-hmm. Right, right.
2: And the, uh, another question uh, might be, I hear you want to give up, Maria, and I just know that you know in your heart
3: <laughs>
2: that there is a question you've been avoiding asking yourself. Mm.
4: And you'd rather give up than ask the question. And it's a kind of a question which, when you ask it of yourself, it will help you move forward.
1: So what is the question that you've been avoiding? Mhm. that when you ask it that will help you move forward. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, exactly. You know, and that really you your <laughs> uh, my friends say to me uh, and I so take it uh, as uh, for what it's worth, folks. My friends often uh if I if I get into that kind of a of a dramatic uh place, mm-hmm. which thank heavens I haven't uh for a few years now, but when I used mm-hmm. to be dramatic about stuff. Uh, they they would say, um, you know, are you more interested in the drama or are you more interested in your dreams? Mm. Are you nice more interested question. in your conflicts or or in the contribution that you want to
4: make?
3: Mm. Powerful question.
4: And you see these. Are you more interested in your issues
2: or your ideas? And, Mm -hmm. you know, these are questions I've asked people for years, and and I need to hear them.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, there's never a time, I think, Coot, when we don't need to
4: answer difficult questions. Yes. I mean, you know, anyone who says, I've got it all together, you know,
2: I mean, I'm a master certified coach with the International Coach Federation. And uh, people say, well, since you're a master certified coach, you probably have nothing that you ever have to deal with. Mm. Wrong. (laughs) And the minute I I tell you that I'm above it all, I'm either lying to myself or you or both of us.
4: Mm. Mm. We all need support.
1: Mm, I love it. I love it. So I'm curious. Is this u- based on? Is this useful? Yeah, this I is, this is powerful stuff, folks. Powerful. I mean, I, I'm just taking notes on some of these questions. Uh, but the question that really st- stood out for me amongst all of them—I mean, all of them are super powerful, folks. I hope you're you're taking notes on these questions. But this was a powerful question. Would it be okay if life got easier? Would it be okay? If life got easier, I mean, that just, that just, for me. That just, it stops the mind, you know, um, mm-hmm. like, why not? Why not have life be easier? I, I think, you know, I'll, I'll say, Marie, I think for the longest time it, it shifted to me uh, a few years back for the longest time, mm-hmm. I would honestly have mm-hmm. to answer to you. No, it wouldn't be okay because I think unconsciously there was a part of me that would sort of like my ego would much rather life be difficult and a struggle because somehow uh, if it was hard, then I felt like worthy or something. You know, I felt like I was, I was making it happen. I got some value from life being a struggle. And so uh, it's a very powerful question. Cause I think when you ask that now, uh, I mean, I, I, for me, it was resounding. Yes. But it's, it, I think it really brings you into relationship with, where you're at in terms of struggle and openness to life and life unfolding. So
4: well
2: I think you're powerful. absolutely I think is absolutely correct. And the question is, uh Kut, would it be okay with me if life got easier? Mm. So that mm. with me.
1: Mm. Would it be okay with me if life was powerful?
2: Yes. Or Can if you were as you
1: yeah? No, as, as you uh, you know you've you've lived you've lived a lot of life you you've had a lot of experience yep. on many different levels and yep. so as a master coach now someone who facilitates someone who works with people worked with people worked your own process how do you define success you know I mean you help clients so how, what's your definition of success that you've come to based on you know forty fifty years of 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 working with people? How do you see success? What's your definition?
2: Well, you know, thank you for asking. And yes, it's been 15 years because Mm. I'm 74 now. And I started uh, when I was 24.
1: Amazing. (laughs) Yes. Well, congratulations.
4: Well, thank you. Thank you. Mm. So, uh, success is doing what you said you would do consistently with clarity, focus, ease, and grace. Success is Mm -hmm. doing
2: what you said you would do consistently with clarity, focus, ease, and grace. Mm -hmm. And so what what this implies is, you know, success is doing what you said you would do, yes, but the quality of the action is also what is important. Is it elegant or is it a struggle? You know um, uh, for example, talking um a, a few minutes ago about uh wanting you know uh, when you were earlier the struggle in life like you you yes, have to be struggling yes. and and i I often uh, have asked people, well, why do you want there to be On your tombstone, you know, here lies Coot. he struggled. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
3: Yes, right. I don't think
2: so. I don't think so. Mm. It's here Mm. lies Coot. he loved us, we loved him, and life was just Mm. a little better because he was in it.
3: Mm.
2: Success is doing what you said you would do with clarity, and that means being clear about what's important to you. I mean, I... I could talk with you mm-hmm. about this definition for about five hours, but I'll just give you the bottom. Right. Clarity. Clarity has to do with being clear about what's important to you, what has meaning, clear. Right. what has that's, value.
1: That's, a clear, that's an important distinction. It is, it, what's important to you, not someone mm-hmm. else, yeah? Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: Focus. Mm-hmm. Focus has to do with focusing your brain on what's important. So that, you know, we have, we have so many chances to focus on so many things that are interesting. You know, I call it the SOS. It's the shiny object sy- syndrome where mm. we just, you know, the minute something interesting shows up, we feel we have to go toward it. But, you know, people mm. who are truly successful have learned to focus their brain and their energy toward what it is they truly want in life. And there are six kinds of energy, Koot. There's Mm. the energy of money. There's the energy of time. There's the energy of physical vitality. There's the energy of creativity. There's the energy of enjoyment. And there's the energy Mm. of relationship. So, Focusing all these energies on what it is you really want. Ease is about taking those small, sweet steps that we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. And then grace. Mm-hmm. The gateway to grace is gratitude. And haven't wow. we talked about that earlier, you know? Uh, yes, grace yes. is is the experience of um, un-, un, un uh, blessings that were unpredictable. You know, you just, they just mm. happened to you.
3: Mm.
4: And so in order to it. be in the experience of grace, uh, gratitude puts you right there. And and if you and
2: I and the people listening, if you were to keep a journal of three things for Mm -hmm. which you are grateful at the end of each day for about 30 days. And if you were to read this journal, Mm. you'll see the hand of grace in your life.
1: Mm. Simple, but powerful. You're talking about success. and, and, And so now I'm curious, based on what you've seen, Marie, in terms of the patterns, people's patterns, working with clients, are there I mean, you've you spoken to a few things, but are, are there any patterns that you've seen in people as to um, what stops people from uh, succeeding, what stops people from manifesting dreams and visions, and, and, and any sort of themes or patterns that you've seen that that, that are blockages from manifesting success uh, with clarity, gracefully? Peacefully. Uh, is there anything you you, you can share?
2: Yeah. Um, the most important thing for people to see is that our <laughs> our uh, loyal opposition, if you could call it, mm.
3: mm-hmm. is
2: this negativity bias. Mm. And <sighs> one way in which we could look at the negativity bias is by looking at something called monkey mind. Uh which is a Buddhist term. You know, it stands for that aspect of the mind that chatters at us as it swings from doubt to worry and back to doubt again. And monkey mind will always be there when we start out on on a journey. I mean, if you think of life as Joseph Campbell uh, has written about, as a hero's journey, you know, Joseph Campbell was a, a, a great mentor for George Lucas uh, when he was creating the original Star Wars trilogy. Yes. And, you know, he said if, if we can see our life as the mm. arc of a hero's story, it gives us access to meaning that is so important to us. And part of the hero's story is that as the hero steps out going toward an adventure and going for a goal or dream is always an adventure. There is always an obstacle that comes up. And in this case, the obstacle is nothing more or less than our minds. And it has to do with monkey mind. And the most, uh, you know, I've, I've developed about 22 symptoms of monkey mind that people can, uh, see and and identify mm. because the minute you can identify something it no longer has the same hold over you but the bottom line is uh, this isn't good enough you're not good enough you're not going to be successful it's not going to work mm.
3: Mm. bottom
4: line <laughs> happens to everybody mm. it never it never doesn't happen
2: <laughs> I like to say it that way It always happens. And if you hear that negative voice in your head, the thing to realize is that it is usually a sign that you are doing something right, not something wrong. It means you are stepping outside of your cave.
1: Mm. So it's not bad when the monkey mind uh, is active. It's. it's so, nope. so I hope you heard that. That that's a really cool perspective. It's usually if your monkey mind is going a little crazy, it's probably a sign you're doing something right or you're growing outside of your comfort zone. It, that shifts the whole relationship with it. Mm. It does.
2: Mm. So that you begin to see that all is well, and and the only the only way to deal with monkey mind. Well, there are two ways. The, the first I've, I've alluded to. Uh, yes. Find two things for which to be grateful in, in the immediate environment because monkey mind comes out of the amygdala, fight, flight, or freeze. And then ask yourself, what is the next small, sweet step I can take? The reason why I say small, sweet in this case, Coot, is because you want to take a step that is what I call under the monkey mind radar. It's so <laughs> small love it. <laughs> that monkey mind doesn't have a chance to latch onto it. For example, mm-hmm. I often coach people on writing books and I remember yes. one man who, who said, I'm going to write five pages a day. He was just starting out. And mm. I said to him, Jim, this is much too much. Your monkey mind is going to mm. go wild. Well, You know, he decided to do it anyway, and a week later, he had only written a couple pages for the whole week. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: But then we started off in an interesting way, Coot. um, I had him write
4: uh, just two paragraphs a day for two weeks. Mm
3: -hmm.
4: And then we went up to four paragraphs a day for a week.
3: Mm
2: And then we went up to a full page for a week, you see. And finally, we ended up, after a few weeks of going under the monkey mind radar, you see, um, three pages a day. And three pages a day, Coot, are three books a year.
1: Wow. 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 You put it that way, that's, that's profound. Three pages, folks, if you write three pages a day... That is, you said two books a year or three books a year?
4: Mm-mm. Three books a year.
1: Three books. Oh, my goodness.
2: It's I just like, it. I'll tell you another one. It's just like 10 minutes a day doesn't sound like a lot, does it?
1: Nope. But if all. you
2: do something 10 minutes a day for a year, it could be uh, reading something inspiration, uh, inspirational mm-hmm. to you. Uh, med- just meditating 10, 10 minutes a day, okay? At the end of a year, you will have been
4: doing it for sixty hours. Wow.
1: Wow. So small things. Energy. So small it's energy. Yeah. So small things. That's yep. yeah, powerful. Powerful. So Folks, I want you to to just take a moment and really digest what Marie is saying. You know, these the small, sweet action steps that you can take every day. That perhaps when you do them, ten minutes a day. You might think, oh, that won't make a difference, but 10 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, over the course of the year, 60 hours compounded over time makes a huge difference. When you do it, you may not think it makes a difference, but when you don't do it, you may not think it makes a difference, but all of a sudden, in a decade, 600 hours. I mean, it's it's huge. What are the choices that you are making, those small choices that you are making to move you forward, uh, to elevate your consciousness? Powerful. I felt like we could, I mean, I feel like we could talk for hours and, uh, talk forever. I mean, you just, I love the way you, you're taking some of these concepts and breaking them down in bite-sized chunks. That makes it really practical for those listening in. Uh, I have a couple more questions, if it would be okay. Just, just, just what I have you here. Um, you know, it's precious time with you, uh, you've been a coach for many years. you teach coaches, you seminars you know in, in the personal development field for many years now. you said' twenty four years old so you have a wealth of experience and so as you've been training coaches, training leaders, uh, I'm in the similar field training coaches, training leaders, and I'm sure there's many folks listening in that are aspiring authors they're aspiring seminar leaders, authors want to go into the field of Self-help, personal growth, spirituality, and serve as healers or or speakers or coaches in some capacity based on your experience as a leader, teacher, facilitator, um, and author. What what advice? What's your best advice to those wanting to go into the field or be successful in the field? What's your best advice to those 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 folks specifically?
2: Um whatever you decide to do, whether it's writing a book, uh, becoming a coach, um, mm. leading seminars, the most important thing is to be authentic. Mm. Don't try to be something you're not. Don't try to copy anybody. You have. Your own voice and you may decide to study with people who you consider to be masters I mean that 's what I did in order to gain some of the um, efficacy some of the uh, skill sets that I needed to write books to uh, teach coaches etc so study with people who you consider to be masters um, watch what they're doing, ask yourself, does what they're talking about, does what they're doing
4: ring true to me? Is this authentic? And begin to develop your capacity for yourself to
2: have your own authentic voice. You know, um, I... Much uh, would much rather um, listen to someone who has only one or two things to say, but the things that they have to say uh, really come from their heart and thought about these things. They're not just uh, trying to copy someone else and sound like another person because, you know, you can really tell uh, if a person isn't being authentic. Yes. Look to see what you have to contribute, what you would love to contribute, and then develop your skill sets. I I have spent so much money on myself, Coot,
3: mm. <laughs> and I'm sure you have
2: too. I've spent mm. uh, really uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars uh, getting myself in front of people who I I want to see how they're doing what they're doing and I want to learn from mm. them. You know, it's 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 never a case that you can start off and say to yourself, Well, I have life experience and that qualifies me to do what I'm doing. Mm. That that doesn't work. If if you're going to do what uh Coot has suggested that you might be doing, seminar leading, Uh, coaching, whatever, consider this as a profession. And you want to show up as a professional.
3: Yes. Mm.
2: So you want Mm. to get the training that you can get so that you make the authentic difference that you are here to make on this planet.
3: Mm.
1: I love it. I think one thing I, I most loved was the foundation of it all, of what you shared, Maria, which was don't try and copy anyone. I see so many folks coming into this field and, you know, they look at a famous author or they look at you or they look at someone and they're like, oh, I want to be just like that person. And and I've seen so many people who are literally walking, talking, copying, regurgitating. And, and I think one of the greatest gifts we have to offer truly is is our unique voice and sharing that with the world. So that's it. Beautiful. Beautiful, Maria. Beautiful. You know, um, you've you've shared so much in this conversation, and if there were—and some of these might overlap—but but but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Um, If there were three key life life lessons, uh, not just for coaches, but just life lessons that you've learned that you would pass on to the next generation. Uh, from your entire life, everything you've learned, to the most important life lessons, if you were to distill them and pass those on, if this was all you could pass on to the next generation, you know, as wisdom. I'm just curious, uh, as we begin wrapping up, what, what would the three life lessons from your life be? The most
4: important ones. I'm sure there's more. But... Never be afraid to fail. Failure just simply really brings you closer to the success you're looking for.
2: You know, uh, they asked Thomas Edison, they said, who invented the light bulb, as he was failing with these uh, light filaments, you know, a thousand times, mm-hmm. a thousand and one times, they said, What's it like for you to fail so much? And he said, No, this just bringing me one step closer
4: to the filament. Yes. Yes. Never be afraid to fail. Uh, Do what you
2: do with integrity. Don't try to go around the natural course Mm -hmm. of things. If you're going to truly make a difference on this planet, Study with people who are making a difference.
3: Mm.
2: Notice what they're doing and not copycatting them as we were talking about or imitating Mm. them, but don't look for what they're doing. Ask yourself this following question. What is it that they are seeing right Mm. now such that the words are coming out of their mouths the way they did. For example, I, I, I look at people who are inspiring to me, like uh, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., for example, and when you look at his I Have a Dream speech, mm. you could try to copy what he was saying, but that would fall flat. Yes. Look at, ask yourself, what is he seeing? Where is his gaze such that these words are coming out of his mouth? What is he looking at? That would be the second thing, okay? And and it's it's true with uh with anyone who you consider to be uh, an inspiration in your life. What are they yes. what are they looking at? What is their viewpoint in life? And third never be afraid to share what you've got that's the mm-hmm. whole name of the game you know we're here mm-hmm. to share we're here to support one another no man is a woman or person is here to be in a vacuum share
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know dance with each other and whatever
4: you have to uh, to give um, be willing to give it. I love it. Never
1: be afraid to fail. Folks. Failure brings you closer to success. Do what you do with integrity. Don't try and simply take the shortcuts um, really look at people who you admire and look at what do they see right now that enables them to perceive life a certain way to act a certain way and and Never be afraid to share what you've got. Um, I think it's so beautiful. Three life wisdoms from the amazing Maria Nemeth. Beautiful, Maria. Thank you for sharing so generously today. You know, I really want these soul talk conversations to, I really want people to immediately put into practice uh, wisdom from the soul talk conversation. So, um, as a fellow coach, would you be willing to assign? uh one small i'm going to say one small sweet homework step that uh the listeners can can take action on like if there's one homework that those listening in can do within the next hour or the next few hours that could forward them a small sweet step could you assign a homework for for, for those listening in well um i
2: will uh i will kind of com- uh repeat what you and i have been uh talking about
4: in yes. in this in this yes. way and i appreciate that you're asking that uh, particular question after listening to this
3: mm.
4: interview find one thing that is currently working in your life. And ask yourself, number one, what what do I see about this thing, the situation working? What are the qualities inherent? Number two, am I willing to create more situations in which I have a sense that they are working in my life? You know, like, let's say you, um, uh, have a desire to be a loving family member.
3: Mm.
4: And you know that one thing that might work would be for you to, just for today, uh, bring home a rose to your loved Mm. one. Whether the person is a, a man, a woman, gender neutral, doesn't matter. Find one thing that works and do it. Mm. And
2: you might allow yourself to do that every day for 30 days, mm-hmm. while on top of that, making a list of three things for which you are grateful at the end of the day. And so you'll have, I've done one thing that works today. One thing that, and by works, it may be that it it brings me a sense of harmony meaning satisfaction fulfillment i've done one thing that works and i've made a list of three things for which i'm grateful what you're doing is wrapping yourself in a diff- it's like in a in a blanket of energy that will lead you down a path that you may not have visited up until now just be willing to experience that energy that wraps around you as you do these things
1: Amazing, amazing, folks. you heard it. The homework assignment so the sweet, small homework assignment from Maria and Nema. I really invite you to go to work once you've done listening to this conversation. Take a few minutes today and and get to work. I would love for you all to just shoot me an email and let me know uh, any of your uh, takeaways, breakthroughs, insights from this incredible conversation uh, with with Maria best-selling author of The Energy of Money. And uh, let me know how you enjoyed today's call. There's so many takeaways. I've taken lots of notes myself. And uh, I did say it was going to be a, a special conversation. Marie, I want to just thank you, you know, for, for taking time today, coming on to Soul Talk and just sharing so generously. Uh, it, it's not just what you said, but I think as we as you were sharing, as we were having this conversation, and I'm sure uh, everyone can feel you as you've been sharing today um i really feel mm. the authenticity of just your being from where you're sharing from and it, it really you really come through and uh just thank, thank you for you, being you and, and and sharing love with the world uh what's the best way maria that people can if those want to get in touch with you and people can just find out more about your work, obviously there's your book, Energy of Money, but, uh, is there a website? What's the best website and, and way people can find yeah, out? Yeah,
2: let's, um, a couple of things. Number one, uh, if you were to go to, uh, www.acecoachtraining.com, that's A-C-E-C-O-A-C-H training.com. Mm-hmm. There are two things that you can have just by going to the website. One is uh, you can um, download something called a life blueprint, which talks about you seeing what's important to you and what has, as we were saying, this meaning and value and how to put what has meaning and value into practice in your everyday life. That's what this mm. life blueprint is all about. And the second thing uh, that's on that site is you can listen to my TEDx talk uh, mm. that I did just uh, uh, last uh, last October uh, in Winnipeg. It's called, it is called mm-hmm. Would It Be Okay With You If Life Got Easier? And mm-hmm. it's a 13 minute uh, short talk that I think is an overview of um, an an interesting way of approaching life. And if people want to get in touch with me personally, they can uh, reach me through Patricia, that's P-A-T-R-I-C-I-A, at acecoachtraining.com. And she always knows how to get a hold of
1: me awesome. Folks, you heard it, www.acecoachtraining.com. We'll we'll make sure we put the link uh, in the show notes. You can definitely, I just encourage you folks, definitely check out uh, Maria's website and what she's up to. Watch her TEDx talk. It's uh, very inspiring and another plug, but uh, it's it's, it's really an amazing book, The Energy of Money. Check it out. Thank you, Maria, for coming on today been really special folks shoot me an oh, email coot blackson at cootblaxon.com. i want to know i want to hear your takeaways from today's session it was jam-packed with lots of soulful conversation practical insights and actionable steps so send me an email folks uh we'll be back next week with another amazing episode of soul talk please download this episode spread the word share it with your friends and uh keep loving now